0: Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to claritinD.com right now for a discount, so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most
1: trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May thirty first, we'll give you five dollars for every twenty you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I just kind of did whatever, a little odd job here, odd job there, took advantage of whoever I could take advantage of, uh, was still, you know, doing all the the crazy stuff. And uh, fast forward, it wasn't long until I woke up one morning in Southern California on the beaches in San Diego and I was homeless, bro. I had nowhere to go. I had burnt every bridge. I had no friends to call. Couldn't go back home. It was rough, dude. And so I just started spending every day, you know, walking the streets, looking for change. You know, the, the model was pretty like simple. Every day was the same, right? Like I would get off the bus at 6 a.m. when it pulled into the bus depot and then I would walk um, from there, looking for change. and If I could get enough change for a sausage McMuffin with egg and some orange juice, I could cover all my food groups for the day. So that's uh, exactly what I did every day is I would eat a sausage McMuffin with egg and an orange juice. And then I would spend the rest of the day looking for enough change to be able to get back on the bus that night. <laughs>
0: What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mishaz, and I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Guys, welcome to the Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mashazde. And boy, do we have a guest for you? My man, Mr. Rise and Grind. Glenn Lundy is in the house. What's up, brother?
1: Dude, I'm here. I'm excited to be here. It says we're live up there in the corner. Can I share this out somewhere? Yeah, where?
0: yeah, yeah. You could share it out on Facebook if you want. If you want to do a watch party, like get after it, man. So um I'm gonna do a little bit of housekeeping. Do you mind? I don't mind at all. Let's do it. Guys, for those of you that are not new to the show, you know we're about two things. We're about people who are living their passions, and those are the creating greatness in the world. And my man, Glenn Lundy, is neither short of passion nor greatness, and I'm so honored to have him here. This was a show that's been in the making for some time. I hit him up for the show, actually, back in, I want to say January of last year, of this year, excuse me, this year, 2020, 2021, my gosh, I'm mixing years, and I'm on this new app called Clubhouse, and it's like the first week of January, and I'm like, I got to get on the stage with these people. I mean, like the the talker and me, and this guy Glenn is just talking about all this, and, I, and I'm like, who's that guy? <laughs> and so I hit him up, and we actually offline. He was like making some references about needing an integrator, an integrator for his business, and I and so offline on we start chatting up on inst- on Instagram on DMs, and uh, and I was like, man, I want to become this guy's friend, and so. <laughs> He's, he runs this thing on this... And, and now, mind you, for those of you guys that know what was going on back then, like Clubhouse was blowing up. They were like getting like... It was like a million people a day were joining this app. And it was, yeah. it, was, it was kind of insanity. And Glenn has this show called Rise and Grind that's on there. And it's like the number one show in the morning, probably one of the number one shows on there in general. And just like hundreds and thousands of people were coming on the show every day. And I was like... Man, this guy's cool, and he's, he's got a lot of we got a lot of stuff in common about how we look at life. And I was like, man, I want to get to know him, so I hit him up and asked him to be on my show. As luck would have it, I think we originally scheduled, and like there, like you, like there was a mix-up in your calendar, and and then he asked me to be on his. So so the show didn't happen. So this show's been like ten months or eleven months in the making. <laughs> so, so then he was like, hey, what well, do you want to be on my show? So I go on his show in May. And it was like a three-hour marathon. I meet Jaylissa, Lys- Jay who right. like, i become friends with now. She was right. on the show. And we have this kick-ass show. We talk about my book, The Core Value Equation. And then he's supposed to be on my show, I think, like that day on the next day. And then my son graduates elementary school. And now here we are, man.
1: And here we are, Dave. Here we are at the exact perfect time that we're supposed to be here. I I, I firmly believe that
0: uh, we're, we're 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 we are where we're supposed to be. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Yes. So, so, dude, I would love you know I want to give you a formal bio, but but you know, do you mind if I do that? And then what I'd like to do is hear your story because you got such a badass story. Is that cool? Yeah, man. Let's go. Let's do it. So, guys, we got we are so lucky to have Glenn here. But Glenn Lundy is a husband of one. Husband to one excuse me, father to 8, 8, man, I can't wait to get into this, auto, <laughs> auto industry leader, motivational speaker on a mission to change the way you start your day, pioneer of the 800% Club, host of Rising Grind, author, speaker, and former GM of Dan Cummins Chevrolet, Buick, you're in the house, my brother.
1: That's it, man. I am here and super excited to be here, and I appreciate that little bio, and if you could... uh clip that out, send it to my kids. We'll play it on their Alexa every night so we can remind them that their dad's kind of, you know, dad's kind of a big deal, dude. Your dad's doing some stuff, you know, because they don't, they, when I walk in the house, they're just like, feed me, give me money. Uh he took my toy. He hit me. Like I'm like, whoa! Don't you know? Like I'm the dude, man. Yeah. I got a morning show. I'm big time in automotive. I'm the clubhouse guy. Nobody really cares, though,
0: man. Nobody yeah, cares. they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dad. Just, just, just put food on our plate. Give us hugs when we need it.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right, man. That's exactly right. That's how it is. So, man. but now, man, it's
0: freaking awesome. Love my life. It's amazing. So, so are you? You in the? You're in Ohio. Is that correct? Kentucky, close. Kentucky, the, yeah. be, the better of the two states by far.
2: Um, hey, I mean.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's where it's at. So I'd love, man, I'd love for you to, you have such an interesting story. I'd love for you to kind of take us back. Like you're, you're doing all these amazing things right now without question. You got, you got the rising grind thing going on. You got all a big event come up. We'll be talking about in a little bit. You're doing the the morning stuff, the journal stuff, all the cool stuff right now, but that's not where you started. I want to hear the, I want the backstory. Yeah,
1: man. Um, you know, I'm old. I'm forty. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm forty-three. So there's 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 a lot. Hey, to it.
0: I'm forty-three, brother. We're yeah, old. We're we getting ain't there. old. We're
1: getting there. We're getting it. <laughs> right. We're we're almost to the halfway point. The way the way I look at it. Almost. Still 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 got a good you know ten years. We'll call that the halfway point.
0: Yeah. yeah. But
1: uh, you know it's it, it it it's a lot. But I'm a very you know I'm a nomadic dude. I've lived in in uh, seventeen different states around oh. the country and. A big part of that was because when I was younger, you know, I grew up in a very interesting situation. Uh, my parents, my dad is black and my mom is white and they got married back, you know, just a couple of years after Martin Luther King got assassinated. So it wasn't well; it was kind of frowned upon, my, my parents' relationship. And, and so I grew up in the middle uh, during a, an interesting season, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And my parents got divorced when I was 11. And when they got divorced, my mom, who's white, got remarried and married a white dude. And then my dad, who's black, got remarried and he married a black woman that had four kids of her own. And then my mom and her new husband moved into Greenlaw Garden Apartments at 2600 East 7th Avenue, apartment number 28 in Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh, my dad and his new wife moved into Greenlaw Garden Apartments, 2600 East 7th Avenue, apartment number 30, no. two doors down, <gasps> two doors down. And so I grew up in the middle and every stereotype you could think of, Darius, existed in these houses, right? Like dad's house was straight up every every stereotype you could think of with black people, like uh, Kool-Aid, fried chicken, collard greens, gospel music, Motown, uh, TV in every room, sports on all the time. Like it was everything you could think of, right? Can't swim, don't like water, all those things. You name it, it existed, man. And then over in mom's house, it was the exact opposite. It was like country music, rock and roll. Uh, you know, they would hang out at the at the bowling alley every night. They liked doing the bowling alley thing. They'd have little poker parties at the house. And uh, my mom was a country singer, right? Like all of those things and 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 it was a much quieter house we'd find moms sometimes sitting on the couch reading a book you know like it was completely different environments and so i grew up in between these two environments and it was like real deal my parents were divorced and even though they were two doors down like my dad had us every other weekend and so my mom would like kick us out friday five o'clock we'd have to pack a bag and walk (laughs) <laughs> two apartments over and go stay at dad's for the weekend. And dude, th- these apartments were three bedroom apartments. And so in dad's house is me, my sister, plus the four kids that he married into. And then they had two more. So eight of us over in this three bedroom apartment. And over at mom's house, we had our own rooms. So we're like, Mom, can we at least just like sleep, sleep in a bed? I'm <laughs> be like we'll stay at dad's all day. Can we? And she was like, Nope. Nope. From 5 p.m. till 5 p.m. That's your dad's weekend. You're going to your dad's house. And so it was just this really interesting dynamic and as i went through my teen years it really created like looking back i'm so grateful for that experience but during my teen years it was tough because my skin was too dark to be considered white and it was too light to be considered black and i didn't really understand where i fit in and As we all know, as we're going through our teen years, it can be chaos anyway, right? You're going through puberty. You're dealing with all this stuff. There's hair where there wasn't hair before. You're like, what is going on, right? And you're trying to figure out who you are. And I was really having a lot of identity issues because I didn't fit in anywhere. Yeah. And so I became kind of a, a chameleon of sorts to where I, whoever I was around, that's who I became, right? Yeah. So if I was around black folks, I was black. If I was around white folks, I was white. If I was around Mexicans, I was Mexican. If I was around Indians, I was Indian. If I was around smart people, I was smart. If I was around dumb people, I was dumb. If I was with the the bikers, I was a biker. If I was with the gangsters, I was a gangster. Right? Like, yeah, would 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 blend and become whatever environment I was in. And so combining that lack of an identity with pretty. Like, I'm a, I was an intelligent dude. Like, school was easy for me. Straight A's all the time, piece of cake. Uh, and and I was a bit of a rebel. So at 13 years old, my mom was like, I can't control you because I would sneak out all the time, be gone until 2 o'clock in the morning, causing trouble. And uh, my mom was just like, you know what? I can't control you. As long as you get good grades, I don't care what else you do. Just don't go to jail. Don't call me after 9, right? And so I was running the streets, man. As a As a, as a teenager, there was a, a pool hall down the street that I would hang out at. All, all the time. And I just started hanging out with the wrong, the wrong crowds, man, the oh, wrong man. people. And I became that. And so I started getting into a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble with the law, a lot of trouble with you know, running from the police in my mom's car. She'll tell you all about that. Right. And uh, in and out of jail, you know, quite a few times in my late or, you know, not jail, I guess, juvie or you call it whatever, but uh, in and out in my late teens. And then that carried over into my early twenties, man. I was still causing a lot of trouble. My mom uh, said I couldn't stay in the house once I turned 18. She was like, you're out, dude, go. Like, you're driving me crazy. And so uh, I went to college, college, causing a lot of trouble in college there. And uh, I met a, uh, a woman uh, that lived downstairs from me. And I met her and I shook her hand, bro. And next thing you know, she was pregnant. Baby number one, it was nuts, man. I don't even know how it happened. Like, I just, like, hi, how are you? She's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Great, oh. to meet you. And it's your kid. We're like, I'm a uh, dad. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I still haven't figured out how that happens. That's why I have eight kids. But, um, and so she got pregnant quick, and I dropped out of school, uh, dropped out of college, and decided that I was going to get into the workforce. Started doing some sales stuff for a call center called, uh, um, Sterner and Klein, where we were calling people and reactivating their America online service, right? So I don't know if any of you guys listening know anything about AOL, but dude, it was easy to get AOL. It was hard as heck to get out. And once you got out of AOL, we call you back and be like, man, we're giving you six months free. We're giving you a year free, whatever. And they'd be like, what are you? No, man, you'd already charged me for seven months before I finally got my credit card off. And I'm like, that's okay. You can, I'll give you another six. It'll make up for the seven you paid. Right. (laughs) And so we, 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 uh, I did that for a little while, closing people online on America Online and uh, trying to make some money to be a good uh, uh, daddy. But at the same time, I really wasn't a good daddy because I was running around acting crazy like a fool of steel. And uh, quickly that sales mentality led me into the auto industry. And so I started selling cars when I was 20 years old at a local dealership there, a Nissan store. And the car dealership that I worked at bro. I mean, you want to talk about stereotypes? Any, think of any movie or any television show that you've seen about a car dealership? That's the car dealership I worked at. It's exactly what we did, man. We tried to get people to climb into the trunks of the cars. We had all kinds of gambling going on the side, (laughs) drinking, drugging, partying, trying to rip people's heads off. Right? Like you give a twenty-year-old, you know, mixed-up kid fifty thousand dollars a year, and he thinks he's got, you know, he's God's gift to the world, and. That's really where I was, and so I got mixed up with a lot of those things. I was really good in the car business, really good, got promoted quickly throughout through the ranks. Um, but my life outside of that, bro, was was shambles, man. It was shambles. Wasn't paying attention to my daughter's mother. Wasn't making my daughter a priority. Um, you know, all all of the all of those things. Still running around, just kind of being a kid, getting in trouble, going in out of jail, still still all of that stuff. And uh, ultimately. My uh, my daughter's mother, she ended up taking custody of my daughter away from me. So I lost custody when my daughter was six years old. And at that time, I had this real victim mentality like it was everybody else's fault had nothing to do with me. Right. And so I left, man. I packed up my white Ford Mustang that I had with whatever would fit in the Mustang. And I left with this brilliant plan. I told you earlier, I'm a brilliant dude. And so I had this brilliant plan. The plan was i was going to move to las vegas and play poker for a living oh, i was going to be a professional poker player it was you, a brilliant uh, plan i
0: said it all mapped not, out bro like like i can't believe you didn't think of that sooner right like what well, <laughs> i mean golly, why didn't everybody do this right yeah. and so um
1: i went to vegas had high hopes big visions big dreams of the future And uh, about two weeks later, I was sitting in a parking garage, with no gas in my car, bad credit, not a dollar to my name and nobody to call. And uh, I was like, "Um, "Okay, (laughs) this didn't quite work out the way I thought it was going to work out. And uh, luckily, I still had a lifeline or two, made my way over to Southern California and uh, over in SoCal. I just kind of did whatever a little odd job here, odd job there, took advantage of whoever I could take advantage of uh, was still, you know doing all the, the, the crazy stuff. And, uh, fast forward, it wasn't long until I woke up one morning in Southern California, uh, on the beaches in San Diego. And I was homeless, bro. Wow. I had nowhere to go. I had burnt every bridge. I had no friends to call. Um, couldn't go back home. It It was, it was, it was, it was rough, dude. And so I just started spending every day, you know, walking the streets, looking for change and, uh, you know, the 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 model was pretty like simple. Every day was the same, right? Like I would get off the bus. They have buses that run 24 hours a day out there. And so I would get off the bus at 6 a.m. when it pulled into the bus depot. And then I would walk um, from there looking for change. And if I could get enough change for a sausage McMuffin with egg and some orange juice, I could cover all my food groups for the day. So that's uh, exactly what I did every day is I would eat a sausage McMuffin with egg and an orange juice. And then I would spend the rest of the day looking for enough change to be able to get back on the bus that night. And um, I was in the middle of San Diego, bro. There's these multi million dollar houses, decadence and abundance, and all of this around me. And over time, each day uh, just being the same was kind of like Groundhog Day. And one of the worst parts about being homeless is. Not that you don't have money, not that you don't have a roof, none of that. The worst part about it is you start to become invisible. And so I started to blend in with the background. People won't, wouldn't make eye contact with me, right? they looked to the left of me, to the right of me, above me, below me, but they wouldn't look at me because they were afraid I was going to ask them for money or mug them or, you know, whatever. We, you know, They didn't want to feel guilty for not giving me money or anything like that. But I wasn't asking for money. I never really did that. But I just started to blend in with, with the background and it was a, a, an awful place to be, man. Cause here I was surrounded by decadence and beauty. You got the guy jogging on the beach. He's all in shape. You got the couples holding hands that are doing all the romantic things. You got the kids and the families and million dollar homes and all those things. And I just started to feel, um, not just invisible, like that invisible feeling became kind of a hopeless feeling. Mm-hmm. And then that hopelessness led to, um, you know depression and the depression led to suicidal thoughts and then those suicidal thoughts ultimately led to me attempting to drown myself in the pacific ocean yeah. um, unsuccessfully clearly otherwise yeah, yeah. this would be a really interesting interview if i had been <laughs> successful in that
0: <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yeah this episode is brought to you by shopify All the way the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic. Your AI powered all star. Picture this a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a one-dollar-per-month trial period at Shopify.com/Darius. All lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to Shopify.com/Darius now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/Darius. ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash tech. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
1: And um, you know, um, so I tried to drown myself. Uh, God literally plucked me out of the ocean, put me back on the beach. And can I can I ask
0: you a question right now? Yeah, go ahead, man. So how old were you when this happened? Uh 28-ish. Wow, okay. So and 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 when did you when did you officially like hit that moment where you're like, I'm homeless? How old were you? 28, same year? Yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how, uh, uh, I was I only
1: home. I was homeless for like people ask how long, and it's kind of weird because your days just when you're homeless there's no calendar right like your days just kind of run together so i can't tell you exactly how long but probably somewhere in that 8 to 12 week period somewhere right in there
0: okay so there's a couple months of yeah. of like like i i i like waking up and doing this this routine you're talking about that's it so when you hit that wall where you're like i'm going to kill myself like like do you mind like do you mind giving details like that like you walked into the ocean you're like i'm going to go drown myself like how does that even work
1: Yeah, man. So, you know, a couple of things with um, suicide, and it's a sensitive topic, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand it, because suicide on the outside feels like a very selfish thing, right? Um, A lot of people have bitterness towards their loved ones that take their own lives, uh, because, you know, I can see how it can can be uh, perceived that way. But really, in the mind, in my mind, at the time, my thought was If I can take my own life, then my mom doesn't have to worry about her son every day. My sister doesn't have to be embarrassed that her brother's some homeless dude walking the streets of California. The people that I've taken advantage of don't have to worry about me ever taking advantage of them again. The People that I lied to, stole from, so on and so forth, right? And so I had convinced myself that the world would be a better place if I wasn't in it. And I think Uh, that a lot of people that reach that suicidal place, that's really a lot behind it. You just kind of convince yourself that, that everyone would be better if you were gone, right? Their lives would be better. And so the best way for me to do that uh, going back to the the stereotypes i was talking about earlier like we don't like water man like us black folks we ain't yeah. good swimmers and uh and i'm definitely not a very good swimmer at all and so i didn't have access to a gun or pills or anything like that so what made the most sense was if i just swam out as far as i could um, then i wouldn't have the ability to get back right yeah yeah and uh you know, and so I I I, I walked out and, and just kept walking and, and reached that point where you start to get a little buoyant, you know, and and the waves start to splash you in the face and so on and so forth. And I just kept swimming out as far as I could. And uh I reached a point, Darius, it's interesting. I've experienced this a couple of times now in watching my grandfather's death. Uh my my father has passed away and I've just experienced death a few times now that I'm slowly approaching the halfway mark in my life. And um, it was weird, man. At first, like, it's kind of chaotic, but you reach this point where all of a sudden it's, like, really peaceful. Like, there's this moment right before death. I I talk about it often where you're most comfortable in life right before death, right? My grandfather was battling cancer and looked – Awful, struggling, right? Waited till the last family member arrived at the hospital. There was a whole series of events where we told him his favorite joke and so on and so forth. And there was a moment just before death where he looked really comfortable.
0: Yeah. Like
1: it, he it, he had filled back in. It was like all the pain had gone away, you know, and, and, and he was super comfortable. And so I've seen that a couple of times and I experienced that. It was just all of a sudden this comfort kind of washed over me like, yeah, this is it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go away right now, but it's, it's, it's okay. Right. And and that was the first time I'd felt peace in a really long time. Wow. And in that moment I went under thinking it was going to be the last. And all of a sudden, dude, my feet hit the ground and I like popped back up and I'm like, what is going on? You know, I'm looking around, I'm chaotic. And uh, the tide was coming in as I was trying to swim out and I was such a terrible swimmer. That the tide actually pushed me back into uh, the shallow parts. Um yeah. you know, the shallow areas. that's why I say God literally just plucked me right
0: back. Yeah, back. God was like, Sorry, bud. Yep, nope, not letting nope. you out this way. No nope. easy way out for you. <laughs> you. You're not brilliant enough. You're swimming <laughs> against the <laughs> tide. <laughs> yeah, you thought the poker thing was a brilliant idea. Yeah. Look at this one. Uh, so wow. Uh,
1: um, but I washed back up on the on the beach, man, and I laid there in that moment. And you could see all the stars. I just remember laying there looking up at the stars. And in that moment, I realized a couple of things. I realized that the universe is huge and my problems were actually really small in comparison yeah. to the expansiveness of the universe. Yeah. And then call it intuition, call it God, call it a whisper, call it an inkling, call it a thought, call it whatever you want. But all of a sudden, the words of a mentor of mine – from the car business came into my ear. And the words were, you take yourself wherever you go. Hmm. And so I thought about that, because I'd heard it a 100 times from him, but I never really understood what it meant until this moment. And so I started looking back at my life. And as I looked at my life, I noticed that the people in my life were different. My girlfriends were different. My friends were different. I'd moved to different places. The cities were different. The jobs were different. The uh, you know environments were different. Everything around me was different. But yet I kept getting the same result. Hmm. So what was the one constant? Yeah, you. me. <laughs> right? I take myself wherever I go. Yeah. And so I thought about that. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Basically, I'm the catalyst of every negative thing that's happened in my life. Before, I was blaming everybody else, right? I was a wow. victim. It was because I was black. It was because I was this. It was because I was that. I was blaming everybody for whatever. So it hit me like, wait a minute, I'm the catalyst of these things. I'm actually creating these things. Wow. And then my my brain, because I am a student, my brain immediately said, okay, well, wait a minute. If I am the creator of all things negative in my life, does that mean that I can be the creator of positive things in my life? Like, can I do that? And so the next day, man, uh, the next day I started to explore that thought and, uh, I met a woman on the beach and she handed me a Dianetics book, which Dianetics was written by L. Ron Hubbard. Now, ultimately it has been expanded into this thing. We know all know now as Scientology, Um, But originally the book Dianetics was just really the study of the mind, the conscious mind versus the subconscious mind and how we have things stored in our subconscious mind that are ultimately determining our behaviors on the outside. And until we get real clear on what those things are, it's very challenging uh, to 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 grow and evolve. Right. And so this woman gave me this book. She took me to the Orange County Church of Scientology. They did an IQ test on me, said my IQ was Super, super high. So they gave me a job immediately there at the church. And this woman gave me a place to live where I could sleep on the floor with about 15 other people that they had picked up, who knows where, all over the place to be a part of the Orange County Church of Scientology. And I spent the next six months studying uh, the brain and my brain and doing what they call auditing, going back and and, and and you know, doing the auditing process and studying communication skills and really learning how to learn on a better, on a, on a deeper level. And, and so I learned a lot of things in, in that experience. And uh after about six months of that, I realized that Scientology wasn't like the best thing for me. I have nothing against it. I have a bunch of friends that are Scientologists, uh, but it wasn't for me. I needed a deeper understanding. Uh, but one of the things they exposed me to, Darius, is that Up until that point in my life, I thought we were two-dimensional, yeah, mind and body. That's what I believed. I was very Darwinistic, like survival of the fittest. That was my belief system. And it wasn't until I spent that six months in Scientology and they started talking about something called a thetan, which is what most people call a soul. Mm. And it hit me like, wait a minute! Even even they're saying that there's a soul. I thought that was just the crazy, you know, the crazy Christian crackers saying that we have we got a soul. That's what I was thinking, right? <laughs> but they're saying it too. So I started exploring uh, different religious texts and started studying Buddhism and Catholicism, and ultimately uh, found a path towards spiritual enlightenment through the studying of Jesus and Christianity. And uh, that's when things really started to shift with me. for me is when I started to realize that we're 3D, not 2D. We are mind, body, and spirit. And the decisions we make ultimately impact that spirit within us. And so it's not before that my whole philosophy was if it looks good and it feels good, the answer is yes. Now my thought is if it looks good, it feels good, and it
0: is good.
1: Yeah. The answer is yes. And that was a huge pivotal point for me.
0: Wow, man. I did not expect I didn't know your story that well. I knew it like like the like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> right. I didn't know about that down there. <laughs> um yeah. Well, wow. I know I've talked most of your podcast here. Oh, no, it's cool, man. You just kind of rocked my world a little bit. Like um, you know, we're the same age and and you know, we have very different experiences, but um, but yeah, it's um it's amazing when you especially I think if you're If you're a, you know, a smart kid and you have that left brain analytical, you can consume information and pump out an answer and you know, you're right a lot of the time, which I'm assuming that's how you were, then you might be a little too smart for your own good. No doubt. You know, and then, and then to get, to take it to that depth and then have that, whatever you want to call it, divine intervention, God coming in the spirit just showing up and, and, you know, and, and, and you know, everyone has their own beliefs and how that comes to be, but to have that kind of shift, I think it's, it's a powerful shift and, and to land where you land. I'm, I'm just, man, I'm so thankful that that happened for you because you know, that, that, like you've obviously pulled that 180, and and now it's not just the, to your point, does it feel right? But that is right part. Now you've taken, you know, I've seen, I've seen it from the outside looking in. of seeing seen like of A, meeting you through, you know, the power you're bringing these days. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now, you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down, dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to the greatness machine. All you have to do is go to dariusscale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E dot com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end. And it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's scale.com And now back to the show. So I'd love for you, you know, the audience may or may not know you in your background because we have a pretty diverse audience, but so you so you have this moment, this realization, and then and then you go hard charging in the other direction of creating. Yeah, 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 yeah. The creator, you know. And there's a book by David Emerald called The Power of TED. You know that book? Mm, I don't. Oh, it's you should you should check it out. I think you'd like it. It's a, a TED stands for the Empowerment Dynamic. He's a professor at Harvard, and it's it's this idea that every it, the opposite of victim. It, it's a, some of the stuff you're talking about. The opposite of victim is creator. Right. Gotcha. And you can have this crew and the opposite of a challenger is a persecutor. The opposite of a, um, rescuer is a, is a, is a coach. I might have the last two mixed up a little bit, but, but we show up the and power all the head. Yeah. The power of David Emerald wrote the book. Okay. So, cool. Yeah. I think you'd, you'd enjoy it, but, um, you just, you, you were talking in David Emerald language to my, my ears heard David Emerald when you said you went from a victim to a creator. That's right. And you know that, and, and that's, you know, it's funny, like I'm not religious at all, but I do believe that's, that's, that's God. Right. And I, I agree. That, like when we, when we are living as God wants us to be, and I'm literally, I'm, I'm completely agnostic on religion, but I consider myself a very spiritual person. Yeah. Babe. Like when we are creating, it's God coming through us and making us be our, our what we're here to, to create for, you know? So it's, so, so you, you became the creator. What happens next? What Tell us what happened next.
1: Two steps forward, one step back, two yeah. steps forward, one step back, right? And, um, you know, I wish I could just say, oh, you know, flip the switch, everything's great, you know, but that's not how it works, right? It takes a while to break out of the old behavior patterns and, and and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I spent the next couple of years really just doing some searching, really just trying to figure out who I am, figure out my identity. Who is Glenn Lundy, right? It was a big question. And the only way I could figure out who I was, I had to figure out whose I was. I had to figure out where I came from, and 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 really start to study, um, you know, that aspect of myself. And so it started with a lot of religious texts, and then obviously the the uh, the realm and world of spirituality. And then I also started studying great thought leaders, right? Like the, uh, um, you know, started with really Les Brown and. And then it kind of went to Eric Thomas, which uh, if you guys haven't heard of any of these names I'm about to drop on you, just so you know, man, motivational speakers are just like music, man. you know, like when you're in a breakup, you want to listen to sad songs. When you're working out in the gym, you want to listen to some hardcore type stuff like motivational speakers is the exact same way, man. When I was first coming out of homelessness, like Les Brown was my dude because he's like you know, life sucks and you're always going to be down, but if you can look up, you can get up, right? Like I, that, that's the Les Brown mentality. And I was like, yeah, life does suck, but I'm looking <laughs> up, you know? And then uh, as I started to get a little bit more, you know, along the way, starting to put some pieces together, then Eric Thomas comes through, you know, and he's like, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, that's when you'll be successful. I'm like, yeah, I want to succeed. Let's go, you know? And then I started getting a little more tactical. I'm like, okay, Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, Zig Ziegler, Tony Robbins, like, and it just you you start going down this whole, um, you know, this whole world of of self development, and uh, you know that kind of led me down different paths. I started hanging around with different people, started having different conversations, and I landed after moving from state to state and different jobs and stuff. I landed in Kentucky, um, of all places, And When I landed in Kentucky, it wasn't long until I met my now wife, uh, Leslie. And at the time, I was running a free poker league because I had figured that I love the game of poker. I love the environment of poker, but I don't want to be the one gambling. That was where I screwed up in Vegas. The house always wins. And so uh i created my own poker league where everyone else got to play for free and the bars paid me to hold these events so i was kind of like a, a karaoke guy or a a live trivia kind of guy i was that guy and um i was doing that met my wife she was a bartender at a, a local bar called cocktails and i met her and dude it was weird man i shook her hand and yeah and was pregnant i was like going on here It's
0: so crazy immaculate conception
1: <laughs> yeah man immaculate and um and so there was a little uh turbulence there in the beginning but ultimately her and I uh, cemented a relationship and I made a decision that I wasn't about to go full cycle through that last decade again like not happening I'm not gonna not making this woman a priority, not make this kid a priority. I'm not going back to the homeless place that I was like, I'm not doing it. And so I made a decision to uh, get rid of the poker league and hanging out till three o'clock in the morning and go back into the car business. But this time, instead of letting the car business dictate what my life looked like outside, I was going to be the one that was going to shift the narrative with from the inside walls of the car business and be able to make an impact on the industry versus the industry making an impact on me. And so I started a, a job at a small dealership in Paris, Kentucky, a place called Dan Cummins Chevrolet and Buick. A dealership that had been there 50 plus years, small town, 9,600 people. It's where my wife was uh, born and raised. And so we had her mom there to be able to help us with this uh, new baby that we had while I was, while I was working. And I started working in that dealership, quickly went through the ranks from salesman to sales manager to general sales manager and ultimately the GM. And over a period of eight years, we grew that dealership 800%, making it the second largest used car franchise dealership in the United States of America and uh, really cemented myself as as a professional in the auto industry, an expert in that industry. And along the way, I started learning a lot of things about social media and how we could utilize that to grow our business. And that's what led to Rise and Grind. And uh, fast forward, now here I am working with uh, owners of dealerships all around the country. And we've got the Rise and Grind show, the social media stuff, all the things that you listed earlier. And um, there's been six more kids that have been born since then. Dude, every time I shake her hand, man, it's nuts.
0: man. <laughs> Forget about like yeah, I, what is it? I- IVR man, just the, you got to get the Glenn Lenny handshaking skills. <laughs> That's it, man, I gotta work on that. What um, like yeah, let's let's let's, let's man, what a great story, and I, I love just like that self realization and just taking ownership. And yeah, to your point, you know, it's not like you wake up and so- sometimes people make it sound like growth is easy. I'm like, growth sucks and change is hard. You know, no and no and, doubt, you know, and, and it takes perseverance. And clearly, you have that. Um, You have such a great outcome of of turning your life around, and then you know meeting your wife, and you guys you know, have eight kids, and just like on every level, it's a badass story. Mm-hmm. I want to you know go into like this this going from like profit, like it's almost like from profit to purpose. When I see some of the stuff you're doing right now, sure. Obviously, you know you go into the car business because you were good at it before, and but you came in with a different mentality. Now though, you know most people on social media don't know of you from the auto dealership side of it. Like that's like, that's, it's kind of a footnote, you know, right. if, if from a, from a public persona perspective, you know, if, if I went on clubhouse, most people wouldn't know that about you. If I go on, you know, any of the social media stuff you're doing, you know, the, the fact that you have like a, a pretty amazing following and show, like how did, like, how did you grow that just from, you know, most people I, I, I've heard a really interesting quote, which is, the the second hardest thing to do is raise money the first hardest thing to do is to build an audience yeah you know? sure but, uh, yeah w- walk us through that like cuz you've built some pretty significant audiences at this point um for for folks out there that want to go out there and promote their business or themselves through social media like how did you do it like you know just give us a few minutes of of, of kind of background on that Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Yeah. so the social media thing, it really started with some selfish intentions, you know, for the business. I needed to recruit people and I knew I could do that through social media, uh, creating a fun environment. We also needed to get more customers and clients in, right? So that was super important. And so we started, um, actually, I did something nobody had ever done before in the car business. And I'm wanting to grab a little resource right here because it's going to help, really help everybody on your podcast. Um, But we started, like, I was doing crazy stuff on social. Like, I was um, live streaming our Saturday morning sales meetings, right? Which, like, people in the auto industry are like, you know, like the Saturday morning sales meeting is when you strategically get together and figure out how to take advantage of every customer on the planet. Why would you live stream that? And I wanted to live stream that because I wanted to show the consumer that that's not the conversations we were having. It's not what it was about. And also be able to highlight my amazing team and show that we really were a people first um, um, company. So we started doing a lot on social media and I started to really attract an automotive Audience, because what we were doing was incredibly disruptive. Uh, our growth was unheard of. To sell that many cars in a small town, unbelievable. To live stream on, on a Saturday was not something that got done. Uh, we posted our numbers every Monday. We sold this many cars. Here's our top salespeople, so on and so forth. And in doing so, um, my people started to really understand that I cared more about. Uh, like I, I, we flipped the model upside down. So most people's model are is profit, customer, employee. That's kind of the order of priority. And we flipped it the other way around where it was employee first and then customer and then the profits came, right? And so by being disruptive in that area and becoming in that one particular somewhat of say to anybody that's looking to build an audience is you got to become an expert at something first become an expert and show your expertise that way people can people that are attracted to that can be drawn to that right and once you establish a foothold in whatever that thing is that you're amazing at i don't care if it's painting pictures maybe it's you maybe you paint the best toenails of anybody on the planet well then show us that Show us that so you can attract people with funky toes that need some really, really awesome toenails, right? <laughs> um, but that's a great place to start is is in your expertise. And that's what I did as well. And then from there, I went through this process of really, I realized in my life that I have kind of a gift of bringing people together. Mm-hmm. People, different backgrounds, different belief systems different ethnicities, uh, different walks of life, people that don't look the same, don't talk the same, don't walk the same, it's always been my gift. And it comes from that season when I was a teenager where I can see things through other people's eyes. So during that time, it was rough on me, but now looking back, I'm so thankful, right? I can hang out with homeless people and talk homeless people stuff because I've been homeless. I can talk to people that have been in and out of jail because I've been in and out of jail. I can talk to people about uh, drug use, partying, staying up late, poker. I can talk to people about being black, about being white, about being mixed, about all those different things. And so I'm so thankful for those experiences now. But once I realized I kind of have this gift that God gave me to be able to pull people together, I've, and, and I and I looked back at my life and it was like, man, always had that. I just used to use it for bad. Mm-hmm. Right, I could get people to follow me anywhere. Hey, follow me! We're gonna go freaking rob the newspaper place and uh, and and go on high speed chases with police officers.
0: Okay, let's go, Glenn. Sounds great,
1: right? Like people would follow me. I didn't, yeah. really know uh, but now I understand. And so, I decided to use those powers for good. And so, in the dealership, by putting our people first and 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 really building um, them up, we were able to create a movement right? It was a movement in the auto industry. So I wanted to do the same thing online. I'm like, okay, how do I create a movement online? And there are four key components to creating a movement. I'm going to share them with you. I'm going to share them with you super fast. Uh, I did actually a whole show on this on my Rise and Grind um, um, podcast. So you can go get like the full, the full thing. But the, here, here's the four main things. If you want to create a movement online, the first thing you need to know is there is a simple three-part formula that guarantees online success. And the formula is this. Frequency plus proximity equals affinity. Not infinity, affinity. Affinity means attractiveness. People like you. Frequency, I see Darius's head going, hold on. Frequency plus proximity equals affinity. So here's the psychology behind that. The more often you and I interact, that's frequency, the closer in proximity of those interactions, as long as that interaction is positive, psychologically over time, you will find me more attractive. You will start to like me more if every time we interact, it's a positive interaction and we have a a ton of frequency. So how does that apply in social media? Dude, you got to show up every single day. Frequency. Proximity. You can't get any closer to somebody than their phone. People Mm -hmm. listen to my show while they're taking a shower. People listen to my show while they're on the toilet. People listen to my show in the middle of the night. They listen to my show in the early morning. People have a, I have more proximity to people than their neighbors do. Right, I have more proximity people than their spouses do. A lot of times, most people don't take their spouse in the bathroom with them. They'll take me though. They take <laughs> me, right? Because of the, I mean, they just sit there, bloop, 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 bloop. Right? They're all up in there. So we have this amazing tool that gives us direct proximity. You can't get any closer. So your frequency, you got to show up every day. The proximity is already there. It's built into the phone. Make sure those interactions are positive where you're adding value every single time, right? And people will start to like you more. You will attract more people. Simple equation, that's step one to creating a movement is you gotta show up every day and make sure it's positive. The second part of creating a movement is you gotta use what I call the four P's of social media. There are four types of posts that you need to post. Now, a lot of people, when they post on social media, they wanna post everything about their business or they wanna sell all the time, so on and so forth. Nobody wants to see that stuff. There's other people that are posting all kinds of personal stuff. They're crying all the time. Nobody wants to see that stuff. We want to see a blend of everything, right? Four Ps, personal, mm-hmm. professional, purposeful, and poll If you rotate these four Ps, whether it's two posts a day, one a day, I you, know, you don't want to do, do more than three a day, but if you can do four – These four posts in order, just rotate them. You will start to build strong relationships online and you'll grow organically like crazy. So personal post, maybe it's your kids, your dog, a hobby, something you like. Professional post, tell me who you are, what you're an expert in and why you're the best at it. Purposeful post, make me feel something, make me laugh, make me positively cry, inspire me, motivate me, whatever. Just just nothing negative, please right? But make me feel something. That's a purposeful post. And then a poll is simply ask me a question so that I can now interact with you. When I interact with you, the algorithm's going to say, oh, Glenn likes Darius and is going to start to show me more of Darius's stuff. The next thing I'm going to see is Darius has got a kid or he's got a hobby or he's got a product or, or, or he's got a puppy. And I'm like, oh, I like puppies. So then I engage. Then the next thing I see is, oh, Darius, awesome podcast. And this is a business that he runs. I engage in that. Or maybe I don't yet. We're getting to know each other. Then the next thing I see is, oh, Darius just made me laugh. Oh my gosh, I freaking like this guy. Then the next thing I see is a poll. Oh, Darius asked me a question Do you like cats or dogs? I like dogs, right? And so now I responded. Next thing I see is a personal post. Just keep rotating personal, professional, purposeful poll. And if you do that, you'll get massive organic engagement. I promise every single time. Number three, to creating a movement online, you must utilize and capitalize live video. Live video. in today's day and age, there's so much BS out there, so many filters out there. Nobody knows what to believe anymore. Nobody can get to know the real authentic you unless you go live. You have to go live if you want to build a movement online. You cannot do it in pre records You cannot do it with a bunch of edits. People want to know who you are at your core. And what's crazy about going live is every time you go live, you have to look directly at yourself. So if you're lying or BSing, then you're going to be lying and BSing to yourself. And I promise you, you will start to adjust your own behaviors to match the words that you're saying on that screen. When I started going live every single morning, man, 530 a.m. At first, I was groggy. My eyes were all boogers in my eyes. I was waking up (laughs) five minutes before production. And here I am going, you got to wake up early and rise and grind. I'm looking at myself like, dude, you look like trash. So now I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. I prep for two and a half hours before every single show. And I'm the most energetic person in the room guaranteed every single time. And my life transformed by that. So that's number three. You want to create a movement. You got to go live on social. And then lastly, the very last thing is make sure that you tailor your content to a some type of massive humanitarian mission. Simon Sinek calls it a just cause. You need to be for something, not against something. Nobody's going to follow you. I mean, some people will follow you, but it'll fall apart. What are you for? What do you stand for? Not against, for. What do you stand for? And share that. And when it comes to a just cause, it's something that has to be inclusive. It's something that's evergreen, right? It lasts forever. My just cause is if you change the way, if we can help you change the way you start your day to make a massive impact in your life. People can get behind that. People can support that. People want to volunteer for that. People want to share that. People want to talk about that. They want to share their own experience with that. And it's something that I can do until we reach 7.2 billion people. Now, once we reach them all and we've changed them all, then maybe my business model falls apart. But at this point, until I reach 7.2 billion people, we can do this until the day that I die. So those are the four real key components. You want to create a movement online know the equation frequency plus proximity equals affinity that's number one make sure you know the four p's of social media utilize those make sure you li- utilizing live video as part of your strategy and then tie it all into some type of humanitarian mission that's going to make a positive impact on this
0: planet hope that helps Darius. oh my god man uh we're out of time this is <laughs> like, like i could go i could go another hour hour with you um so I want, I know you got a bunch of stuff coming up and, and if you don't mind, stay on for a minute, cause I have something I want to talk to you about when we get off air here in a second, sure. but, but do you mind just, you got a bunch of cool stuff, the grow for God event. I know that, that you're, that's a big event coming up in November, the morning five ebook, glennlundy.com. Do you mind, uh given the, given the audience where they can find you and how they can hook up with you for all the uh, rising grind, your show, rising grind, all, all things, Glenn Lovey. Let's, let's give the, let's give the lowdown so we could promote it to our, to our audience. Yeah, the easiest
1: way to connect is just go to the 5com That's the morning number 5.com. If you go there, you can download my free ebook. It'll give you five simple steps that'll help you change the way you start your day. You can read it in less than an hour, cost you nothing, but it'll change your world. And that's a great way for us to get to know each other because I love giving value first and then we can build our relationship if it's something that uh, matters to you. And that ebook will then take you to all my places, Instagram, LinkedIn, so on and so forth. And then the other thing you mentioned is we're super excited. We do have a live event going on November 5th through 7th in Lexington, Kentucky. We are celebrating the 1,000th episode of Hashtag Rise and Grind. It's going to be spectacular. Over 20 speakers, music entertainers. We've got comedians. It's going to be incredible. So for that, you can go to growforgod.com. Growforgod.com. Get your
0: tickets, and we hope to see you there. Man, what a freaking episode <laughs> <laughs> i was like I, like i didn't expect i mean i knew it'd be fun and good but you kind of rock my world brother man uh glenn glenn, Lenny, thank you so much brother so much gratitude having course. you here this is so much fun guys what a treat um go support glenn and everything he's doing he, i mean there's so much so many gems here from your story to just to where you've come from to where you're going and i'm, I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you my friend Thanks, brother. I appreciate you so much. Likewise, guys. Well, peace out. We'll see you guys later. Greatness Machine is here. And Glenn just added a lot of greatness to my life. Thank you, my friend. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world, and we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from and leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, You'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on their look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time.
1: Uh
2: This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media